Welcome to Anesthesia Deconstructed. Science, politics, realities. Listen in as medical professionals join industry experts, Dr. Mike McKinnon and Dr. Joseph Rodriguez to discuss the latest science and medical advancements, the effects of our political climate, and the reality of today's changing healthcare environment. Let's get started with your hosts, Dr. Mike McKinnon and Dr. Joseph Rodriguez. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Anesthesia Deconstructed. We got a great guest on today, Anna Marie Wiley, uh, who's here to talk a little bit about housewives, CRNAs, nurse anesthesiologists, and advocacy. Great to have you here, Anna Marie, and we'll jump right into it. Uh, Anna Marie, tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and how you ended up becoming an RN and moving to the States. Thank you, first of all, Mike, for having me on. I'm super excited to be doing this with you. And I just have to say, I love how you said Anna Marie and then Anne Marie and then corrected it again. Because <laughs> that is like, it's one of my things because my name is spelled Anne Marie, but it's pronounced Anna Marie. It's just, it's a Dutch name, it's Dutch uh, pronunciation. And that is one of the things that the show didn't clarify. So people are constantly messaging me like, why do some people say Anne Marie? Why do some people say Anna Marie? And it's a whole thing. But yes, it is Anna Marie. Um, so I am actually from a, a small town, um, about an hour outside of Vancouver, Canada. Um, I'm of Dutch and Nigerian descent. Uh, my biological father is Nigerian. My biological mother was Dutch. I was put up for adoption when I was born and I was adopted by an, a Dutch Indonesian family when I was two weeks old. So I was raised in an Asian household. So I have quite the cultural um, mix there. And like I said, grew up about an hour outside of Vancouver. Um, I was big into sports when I was younger, all the way up through college. And so the first, uh, first sport I played was track or ran track, I should say. And I did that from about age five to age 12. And when I was 12, I um, suffered a bucket handle tear to my right meniscus. Ooh. And when I had my surgery, my anesthesia provider, so they gave me a spinal and a little bit of sedation. And I remember as a 12-year-old child watching my procedure and absolutely <laughs> fascinated that, you know, my body was being operated on while I was awake and watching it. So that's the first thing that kind of sparked my interest in healthcare. And then um, I played basketball through college. I went to the University of British Columbia um, and obtained my nursing degree. Again, super fascinated in healthcare. I wanted something that would allow me to work, you know, firsthand, front lines with people because I'm very much a people person. Um, and I wanted to be with people during, you know, those vulnerable times right. in their life. And I wanted something that was going to allow me a lot of flexibility in my life. And I wanted something that would allow me to be portable. So after I graduated from UBC, um, I took the NCLEX and I came down to California to Los Angeles as a travel nurse. And that was, you know, the beginning of my beautiful relationship with, <laughs> with Los Angeles. So, and, you know, I had plans to be here for a three month contract and then go to New York and work my way down the East coast. But, you know, I, I got sucked into the, 
to the LA track. So here I am. <laughs> yeah, I think that we've got a similar story. You end up coming down from the States. <laughs> and the plan is to move everywhere and then you get trapped somewhere. That's, that's how it goes. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, and I worked at great places. I've, you know, I've, I've worked at all the top hospitals um, in the city. And, you know, they just came to a point where I was like, you know what, I'm not leaving uh, the area. So I just became staff. And then, you know, my story just kind of picked up from there in terms of uh, my healthcare career. And so I know I, I noticed a lot of differences when I came from Canada working as an RN to the U.S. working as an RN. Did you notice much of that? Did you see a bit of a transition change there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, number one, like the, the system. So there was, you know, all the doses and things like that were different. There were a lot of different um, medication names. I noticed. Um, and I remember too, just, just the insurance, not that that's something that we always have to deal with directly, but coming from um, a, a system of universal healthcare to this system with the PPO, HMO, mm-hmm. um, et cetera, that was quite a difference too. And I remember really not understanding it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my first assignments and I was working on an ortho floor and I remember just some some, you know, patients telling me about the, the bills that they would receive after surgery. And I just thought it was unbelievable because, again, coming from Canada where everything was provided by the government to a system where people were paying out of pocket for health care, that, um, that was quite an adjustment for me. But, yeah, I would say the biggest things were uh, medication dosing, yep. the name, um, adjusting to the different types of um, tiered care. Yeah, very different, right? You know, you can't, some things you can't get patients, some patients can't get certain things. There's all these rules. You have to count every single thing. Very different. I never even, you're never concerned about that in Canada. Yes, exactly. And like, like the Pixis machine, like we didn't have those things because you would just, you know, go into the drawer and take out what you needed and hear absolutely everything is accounted for every Every, every gauze, every, <laughs> you know, every penny, every so, penny's counting. every single, <laughs> every single penny. Yeah. So absolutely. So how did you end up discovering? I mean, we talked a little bit about your first interaction with anesthesia, which is super cool. How did you end up discovering nurse anesthesiology and decide you wanted to do it? So the first um, major hospital that I started working in when I became a staff RN I was working on um, a post-op spine, spine floor and um, came uh, quite close with uh, several of the neurosurgeons. And one of them, um, who literally became like a big brother to me, his wife was a CRNA. And, you know, they kind of just took me under their wing. He's like, you need to meet my wife and you need to go into anesthesia. And I remember I was, you know, I've always been the person that I didn't like to have to rely on other people for things. Mm -hmm. So when we'd have a patient and, you know, something would go south and you need to call rapid response or heaven forbid you're calling a code, you know, and everyone's just rushing in the room and there was only so much that I could do with my scope of practice, Mm -hmm. you know, I, as a floor nurse, like I wasn't even ACLS at that time. Right. Right. So, and I hated standing back and watching other people take over because I I really felt so helpless and I wanted to be 
in there helping the patient. Right. You want to and get in there. so, yes, I wanted to get in there. And, you know, but uh, nurse anesthesiology was, I, I, this was not even something that I was aware existed mm-hmm. because we don't have them in Canada. And right. so um, that um, neurosurgeon was my first introduction to um, the field and through his life. So like I said, they really took me under their wing. Um, I transferred to um, the neuro ICU and I spent um, a year, I think it was a year and a half I spent there. And then I applied to CRNA school and I was accepted and, you know, I was off and running and fascinated. I loved every minute of the journey. Um, it's so interesting because as, as challenging and as grueling as CRNA school is, I remember being so terrified with all the stories like, you can't do anything else. You, you will not have a life. You're not going to see your friends. You're not going to see your family. You know, all those, oh, all those yeah. horror stories you hear about it, right? But it yeah. was so funny because I met my husband three months into school. And so it was, it was the best two years of my life. Yeah, that's awesome. It's always, it's a double-edged sword, right? It's the best kept secret. Downside to that, yeah. a lot of people who would be awesome never even find out about it until late in their career. Upside to that that's is right. that there wasn't a ton of people applying for a while. Now I think it's a lot less of a kept secret. That may be in some part due to you. <laughs> ah, well, I, I really hope so. I'm, I'm very excited to be helping, you know, get the word out. So, um, so yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's so funny that you mentioned that because, you know, it, it really is the best kept secret or was, I should say. And I remember even hearing about that in CRNA school. And part of it was, you know, we were, we were told that you're going to be advocating for yourself. You're going to be advocating for your profession. And I think that's something that we do, not only as CRNAs, but as nurses in general, because how many times have we, you know, been out with our friends or just out in public and you tell people, oh, I'm an RN. And they're like, oh, okay. And they have no idea what you do. They literally think you change bed sheets and you change bed pens. They, <laughs> they and bring people food. And, you know, and you, you know, that has a place. That is part of it. But there is so much more to what nurses do. And I think until people are in those situations with family members or themselves, they don't really have that understanding or their, that appreciation for what nurses do. And then you add nurse anesthesiology onto that. And it's a completely, you know, unknown territory for a large population of people. So this is something that like, you know, I'm very excited to be using my platform to, to tell people about it. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's been great. And, and getting the word out there is, is one-on-one for us most of the time. And you're doing it in sort of a, as you mentioned, a platform. So it's a lot more people to get to hear about nurse anesthesiology. And that's, that's a win all the way around because we need more people. We need more anesthesia, uh, providers in the country and, uh, we need them to be independent. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So how long have you been doing anesthesia and what kind of practices have you worked in? So I have been, let's see, I've been a nurse since 2004. So da, 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 help me with my math. That, oh my goodness, 20, 20 years. years. <laughs> so I, I've been an RN for 20 years. I'm like, yes, it's 2024. And I have been a CRNA for 11, 11 of those, um, of those 20 years. 
Um, I worked at a very large major hospital in the Los Angeles area uh, for several years um, after I graduated from CRNA school. And then I did, after I, we started having children, after I got married, started having children, we, I did a little bit of a pivot um, just for, you know, lifestyle purposes. Um, I decided that working for myself and working in private practice in surgery centers was going to be um, more conducive to the lifestyle that I kind of wanted to, to live. Um, so I've, I've done the whole, I've done everything. I've done all the, the big, the big neuro cases right down to like, you know, cataract days. I've, I've, I've run the gamut of everything. Now in my current practice, I do a lot of, um, you know, the general stuff, the bread and butter cases, a lot of general cases, ortho cases, plastic cases, eye cases, <laughs> um, urology cases, OB, you know, like all the, the bread and butter stuff that allows me to really have that amazing work-life balance that I really set out for myself initially um, when I started my nursing career. So like I said, I've, I've, I've kind of done it all. <laughs> yeah. And that, well, and, you know, it, it kind of shows when we're having these conversations because it comes across that you really understand the profession, both in the things you've posted, the interviews you've done, and that comes from experience, right? It comes from being there, go, going through the gamut of working in a team model all the way to working independently gives you a sense of what nurse anesthesiologists are capable of and, and uh, you're doing it every day. And that's, that's an excellent trait and an opportunity to be able to put it out there like that. And I think everyone's pretty appreciative. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And also, you know, it's, it's also about working with a lot of different types of people. You Mm -hmm. know, I've worked in a lot of, um, with a lot of different kind of clientele and a lot of different cultures. And one thing that has always, you know, really been instilled in me because I have such a diverse uh, cultural background is culturally sensitive care. Mm-hmm. And I really think that my unique background, uh, you know, gives me um, a really unique position to be able to empathize and sympathize with a lot of different kinds of people. And, you know, especially as a minority as well, I think it's uh, very important that we have diversity in nurse anesthesiology as well. So that's something else that I'm really um, proud to represent. It is incredibly important because the old saying goes, you can't be what you can't see. And if you don't see Absolutely. black women, black men, Asian men, Asian women, uh, you know, of, of every, you know, me- Mexican, Spanish, of every kind, mm-hmm. do something. Mm-hmm. How do you believe that you can be it? You know, so diversity 100%. is key. Diversity is key. Absolutely. And I think, you know, on, on behalf of Canada, I'm going to take credits for some of that from you as well, because... <laughs> Canada, where I, you know, as I grew up, diversity was cherished, not a battle. Huge. And that's a Absolutely. little bit different in the States, you know? You know, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because yes, it is. Like some of the things that I've experienced since moving here uh, 20 years ago were not things that I, you know, dealt with in my earlier years. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I'm very big on making sure that we... Um, celebrate people's religion and cultures and, you know, practices and make sure that those things are really brought into yeah. their healthcare plans. Yeah, so. I agree. I mean, I think when, I, you know, when I was learning in school, I don't know if you got the same analogy when you were in, in school in Canada, but Canada's a tossed salad, right? A salad's pretty boring when it's just lettuce, but yes. when you add in all the different 
pieces, all the ingredients, it just gets better, even though the ingredients are individual. Whereas the Absolutely. U.S. is a melting pot, right? Everyone comes here and becomes American. <laughs> you, you yes, that's to, so true. It's so true. So it's different. It's a different perspective. And I think, you know, when you grow up in a different country, especially for you, where you grow up in a diverse background and you come to the States, you have an opportunity to capitalize on that and share it with others. Absolutely. All right, let's pivot a little bit to the housewives. So (laughs) here we go. So how'd you end up up getting on that show? Why did you choose to do it? And how has that experience been overall? It's the wildest um, (laughs) story. So this was never something that was on my radar. It was Like this was... No, oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? If you told me even, even a year ago, that I would be on a reality TV show, there is no way that you could get me to believe that. You know, I was very happy living my quiet little private life, you know, being a working mom and taking care of, you know, all the the things that needed to be taken care of. And, you know, my husband, he's been um, a public figure for many, many, many years. And, you know, so I was always around it but it was just never about me and so the stuff didn't phase me I mean I will say it, it phased me when we first started dating when I'm like you know you walk out of somewhere and TMZ is there and I'm like what is happening <laughs> that was you know or like you know I, I remember what the first time I met my my childhood idol Lisa Leslie we went to her a birthday party at her house and I was like I used to watch you growing up when I was playing basketball <laughs> in high school. So those kind of things were weird. But anyway, um, I digress. So I was, you know, I've always been kind of around it, but I never thought it would be something that I would want to do because I was very happy being a private person. Right. And we, when we moved uh, to our current home about two and a half years ago, we bought our house through the real estate agency that is owned by one of my castmates, Kyle Richards who is, you know, is the longest running housewife of the franchise. She's been on it for 13 years, but her husband Mauricio owns the agency and that's who we bought our house through. So uh, last holiday season, they had had a holiday party at their home for, you know, like their VIP clients or whatever. And when we got the invitation, we noticed that they're, they live on the same street as us. So we're like, oh, they're right down the street. Yeah, let's let's go pop by. You know, we were doing the holiday party circuit. Right. So we we went in and they thought my husband was hilarious because he he is quite the character. Yeah. Um so they all like hit it off. It was a it was a great night. And then that was it. And then fast forward three months and Kyle Richards sends me on Instagram and she's like, Hey, we just started filming season 13 of the real housewives of Beverly Hills and the producers are interested in talking to you. Do you have any interest? (laughs) And I remember just staring at my phone being like, what in the world am I supposed to do with this? Like just, it was just shocking. And so I showed it to my husband and he was like, you know what? This is a great platform. He's like, he's like, it's something for you. Go, have fun with it. And he's been telling me for, I mean, probably three years now, he's like, you know, you, you do so many things. You're, you're a multi-hyphenate. You're a very busy person. You, you have, 
you know, this, this great background story that people should hear. And he's, he was like, you should do a blog, you should do a podcast, you should do something. Right. And he's like, literally, this is your opportunity to get your message out. And I was like, you know what? I think you're right. I was like, the platform will be great. And really, this isn't something that I'm doing for me. This is, you know, I came, like I said, from a very small town. I was raised by a single mother. She took care of me and my two sisters. She worked at you know, at Canada Post. Mm-hmm. You know, I I did not have the easiest, easiest upbringing. Sure. And, you know, I sports was kind of my escape. Thankfully, I was good at it. So I was able to go through college and everything. But I kind of felt like I was, you know, I was the ugly duckling. Right. And so I wanted a platform where I can show people and especially young girls, that it doesn't matter where you start, doesn't matter where you come from, it doesn't matter your situation. If you work hard, surround yourself with the right people, make the right decisions, you can achieve whatever you want to in your life. Like, I really just want to motivate people because I'm so thankful, I'm so grateful, and I'm so, I'm so blessed. Like, my life could have gone a lot of different ways, you know, but I'm like, here I am with this incredible family and this incredible profession and this incredible opportunity. And, you know, somebody just recognized that like, Hey, this woman has a lot going on and I have a lot to share with people. And so I was like, you know what? Why not? Like YOLO, you know? Exactly. That's a great message. YOLO. YOLO. You know, you, you, you didn't come from money. You didn't come from a famous background. This didn't, this isn't one, something that was handed to you in the way that for some people it is, you know, nothing wrong with that. But in your, in your case, you're representing that person who had a fight for everything they got. And I think it, it's really important for young people to have people to look up to like that, to, to you know, like if they can do it, I can do it. Right. Like my first job, Mike, did I ever tell you what my first job was? Mm. At an egg factory. <laughs> egg oh, factory, stinky. packing <laughs> eggs into crates. Like, that was my first job. And I'm like, so to go, and, and I did, you know, the berry picking and mm-hmm. worked in a jam factory. Like, to, to go from, like, all those kinds of things to where I am today. Like I said, I'm just, I'm very blessed. And I just want to share that message with other people. That right. you can make anything you want happen. You just have to stay focus. That's it. So prior to getting asked to be on the show, did you watch it at all? I watched it for like the first couple seasons, but I mean, this is like pre-kids, pre-marriage. Like I hadn't watched it in, (laughs) when I had free time, I literally do not even watch TV. now. I don't watch TV. I don't listen to music. Like I, I mean, I watched Coco Melon and Bluey, because that's what my kid, and Peppa Pig, because that's what my kids watch, you know. But like, I don't. My life revolves around my my family, so I don't even have time to do stuff like that. So when I got this this um, text from Kyle, and I said, you know what, like, sure, like, have them call me. The executive producer called me literally two minutes later. Casting called me right after that call, and then you know, it was like, okay, tomorrow we're going to submit a tape. I had a contract in my hands within, wow. I think, 72 hours. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I skipped the whole, the whole, I guess, like, 
casting process per se, because it's, it's typically a very lengthy process. I've heard it's like an eight month thing. They've got a hundred women that they narrow down to 20 or something. And like, you know, they were literally like, we've already, we've been filming for six weeks and we want you to do it. Like, so I, you know, I was in there within two weeks filming. And so once I had that contract in my hands, I was like, Oh, this is really happening. I should probably know a little bit about these people that I'm getting into this, <laughs> this, uh, the situation with so i binge watched all of the um the previous season in about a week just so i could <laughs> you know kind of try to understand what was happening the dynamics. Um, that yeah like that doesn't that does not prepare you which we'll get into <laughs> later but um uh yeah so that was that was kind of it that was that was that was how it happened in a nutshell so That's very crazy. fast very furious uh, and it's a crazy crazy situation so yeah I know there's been a lot of discussion about titles on the show and, you know, there was some accusation that you're saying you're a physician. What insight can you give on that? I mean, I will give you the whole, the layout of that. Lay it down for me. I will lay it down for you. I will tell you all the truth and all the tea right here. So (laughs) one of my, one of my castmates who I had also met, I think within a week of when I had met Kyle, and we met at a at a separate holiday party, and we're doing introductions. And he said, "Well, I asked her like, what do you do?'" And she's like, "Oh, I'm a house, I'm a housewife." And I was like, "Oh, interesting." And you know, go into that conversation. And then she said, "What do you do?" And I said, "I'm a nurse anesthetist." And then you know, the typical puzzled look that we always get. Right. I know that other CRNAs know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So she gives me that puzzled look, and I said, "Oh, I do anesthesia." Right. And then she said, oh, okay. She's like, my sister, I think it's her sister. My sister is um, an anesthesiologist. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm a CRNA. She'll know what that is then. Yeah. And so as we're filming, this person, uh, has a, she she's, tends to lie about things. And this was her golden moment to create her storyline and kind mm-hmm. of, you know, tack on to other drama that was going on with me uh, regarding, you know, all the, the professional stuff and, and mm-hmm. medical issues, et cetera. So during one of um, our filming days, she said, she's like, well, when we met, you called yourself an anesthesiologist. And I denied that. And I said, no, I said, I'm a nurse anesthetist. Or I said, like, I'm a certified registered nurse anesthetist. And so this caused, as we as uh can understand caused a lot of drama so when and i knew at the time that her accusation was going to be a bigger deal than what they understood and what production understood there was a lot of um looking down upon and minimizing nurses during our filming, which was very disheartening to me. Um, I'm, you know, especially coming off of COVID where, Mm -hmm. you know, nurses were, we were the ones, we were the frontline caregivers and we always are there with the patients 12 hours a day, um, you know, around the clock. And to be dealing with someone that was minimizing my profession who did not understand what my profession even was, there was actually another time she called me uh, an NP, <laughs> which chose to show you. Um, 
So, but going back to the, the title, so she essentially um, accused me of title misrepresentation. And what happened after that, off the show, the ASA got up and decided to, I guess, like you could just, I don't know even how to describe it, except for like a, you know, a little slander campaign. And so they went and, you know, saying things like, oh, the housewives know a fake when they see one and there's no place in healthcare for title misrepresentation. But you have to remember, they are taking information that is coming from someone who has a history of being a known, not truth teller on (laughs) this reality TV show. This is reality TV. Right. We don't, you don't see everything that happens for real in reality TV. You see what you're presented with as the viewer. So for them to take what sh- the false information that she is putting and out there and running with it and launching this slander campaign against me. So when I was initially, when this was brought to my attention, I thought it was fake. Right. I was like, there is no way that an actual legitimate professional association would do that. Why would they even take interest in this? Why would they write something and put it out in the social media sphere? Like I was very, very surprised by it, but it turns out that it was legitimate. They legitimately did that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I think we all, as a nurse anesthesiologist, understand where that is coming from, right? Like we understand the political uh, background uh-huh. oh, yeah. uh, physician anesthesiologist and nurse anesthesiologist. Um, so I don't think, I mean, I was surprised only because it's new to me being a public figure, but I wasn't surprised nature of the attack because I'm like this is a perfect opportunity for them to take this run with it and try to discredit a CRNA so in that sense I was not surprised Um, and this person who made up this um, non-truth it's funny because she actually when we were on our cast trip to Spain on route there and our layover in Heathrow, I believe she admitted to me off camera with, without producers around because she, you know, was acting completely normal. And I was like, this is not okay. This is my <laughs> real life profession we're talking about. And she's like, no, 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 it's totally fine. I'm just so happy because now I have a storyline We'll go there tonight. We'll make up at dinner. I'll tell everybody that I heard you wrong. But again, now I'm just so happy because now I have a storyline. I have my drama for the season and I'll get to come back. She did that. She made that up so she would have a storyline because she knew that she's, you know, been on the chopping block apparently for the past few seasons. But, and in her defense, I do not think he knew the the uh, gravity of what she was saying or accusing me of, and I don't think she understood the ramifications that would and the backlash that would come from it. Right. But she still did it. Yeah, I think few people outside of our profession would really 
know what's coming, but I don't, I mean, I don't think it's a secret that, you know, reality TV reality is in air quotes. I mean, it's, it's not exactly you know, everything that's happening, you know? No, so, but, but you know, people take it very seriously, very, yeah. very seriously. So did, did you end yeah. up getting a lot of social media hate or attacks and stuff like that for, for that? It was awful. I got a huge, a huge amount of it. Um, and it was really awful, you know, for several reasons, because number one, I pride myself on being a very kind and caring person like that. Like when my friends, my, you know, my friends were seeing these things and they couldn't believe it. They're like, you're the nicest person we've ever met. Canadian. And like, you're Canadian, <laughs> right? Like you're Canadian. And people think you are this, this, this completely different person. and. I, you know, I also take my profession very, very seriously, as I think, I think we all do. Right. Right. Like, I think people understand the amount of work we put into what we do. For someone to discredit that is very hurtful, very yes. hurtful and very harmful. So I took, I took all of this very, very seriously, you know, and then there's also the issue of you know, like, like we touched on, people already don't know what CRNAs are. They don't know what we do. And then there's the whole actual title issue. So right. people think that a doctor, a physician, right. anyone with a doctorate degree is a doctorate. So, right. or as a doctor, I'm sorry. I graduated from CRNA school 2013. So I have a master's degree because that's what our program was at that time. Right. As we all know now, all graduating CRNAs as of next year will have doctor degrees. They will all be doctors. So for people to literally just hear that word and say, well, you're not a doctor. Well, right. but CRNAs are doctors, you right. know, and yeah. people think that anesthesiologists own the title anesthesiologist, which they do not. Right. They own physician, hence physician anesthesiologist. We own nurse anesthesiologist, but people don't don't know that and don't understand that. And so, you know, I've I've changed my title on social media from nurse anesthetist to nurse anesthesiologist. I I solely go by that title now, uh, just to increase the awareness. And hopefully, you know, we will get to a place and a time where are a household name and people understand what we do and you know we're given that respect for for how hard we work on our um on our craft and our practice but you know i think it's going to be it's going to be a journey and doing this show has really opened up my eyes on a whole new level of the amount of advocacy that is needed and the knowledge gap that exists there Oh yeah, it, it's absolutely true. And you know, having a having a nurse anesthesiologist on a on a show that has millions of viewers means those millions of viewers are going to come to conclusions. And so when oh. yeah, so when something like this comes up, it's really important to respond to it like you did in interviews and on social media and even on the show because that helps correct yeah. this misperception of. You know, people think of nurses as handmaidens. Oh, you assist the oh. doctor. You know, like that's the perception, but it's just not true. Uh, absolutely, and it's like, you know, I'm always going, I'm always going to do that. 
because that that is just one that's one of the things that defines me you know what i mean i've you know i've been a nurse for a very long time i'm very proud of what we all do and i want people to to know that and to understand that and i think you know it'll it'll just be a matter of time and even now the number of people that have approached me just out and about either nurses other healthcare providers um crnas specifically said thank you so much i've never heard people talk about crnas so much like people are getting excited that like people can say that that acronym now and people are starting to understand what that is and i'm very happy about that yeah, it's huge. It's a big win for our profession. Have you found um, the, Have you found the American Association of Nurse Anesthesiology? And you mentioned CRNAs, nurse anesthesiologists, been on the whole pretty supportive through this? Yeah, 100% supportive. I feel like they have backed me in every step of this, which has been huge because when I was facing a large portion of the backlash, it was, you know, it was really fast and furious. And to know that my professional association had my back, understood, and that other CRNAs also had my back and understood. Like, you know, so many of my, like, colleagues and former colleagues and former classmates are reaching out and, like, awesome. we're 100% behind you. <laughs> and, like, we, we know what this is. Like, we know what reality TV is. Right. And, you know, we support you. And, you know, I think people are just happy that there's somebody out there that is helping them get this recognition that we're so deserving of, you know, I think it, it's, uh, <laughs> so. Well, the yeah. OR is a secretive place, right? Like no one knows what happens in there. You, you know, your loved one leaves you in the pre-op and then, and then they're recovered. <laughs> that's how it is. That, that's right. That's very, very true. And of course the patient doesn't remember what's going on. So yeah, yeah that's absolutely true. The only time they remember me is in OB for an epidural. <laughs> that's that, that's right. And, you know, I can't even, I can't even knock people for that because I didn't know either. No, you know, no, I had I already know. been, I had already been a nurse for seven years before I had even heard of nurse anesthesiology. So, you know, I get it. But again, it's just going to be a path of just telling as many people as you can, you know, getting it in, in people's mouths and in their heads. And I think people are going to, going to start to understand more and more. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think this is, I think your platform and what you've been doing with it has been huge. It's certainly gotten the word out there. I mean, you know, I live in rural Arizona and a CRNA only practice. And even some of my partners are asking questions, you know, about this girl on the housewives, the CRNA. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it gets out past the show when it ends, it goes to social media. And the great thing about that is that it's not just my partner, CRNAs who know what CRNAs are, it's other nurses, it's techs, it's all these people that could eventually become CRNAs, you know, could aspire to the, to the, the profession. And I think uh, you've, you've been a large part of that. And so that leads me to the next thing. I know you've done a bunch of social media stuff and you've done a couple of interviews where you've mentioned the profession. Do you have plans to do more? There's, are there more things coming down the line? How's that work? Yes, I absolutely will. I have a few things in the works. And any and every opportunity I have to advocate for our profession, I will 100% take it because it has been something that has been so rewarding to me 
So I want to do everything I can and use my platform to help bringing awareness to it. So absolutely. And one thing I wanted to say as well for anybody that's listening that does watch the show, please trust and believe that there was more to esophagus than (laughs) what you heard. It was a very, very rational, very logical uh, story. Just that you got to remember it is reality TV and, you know, I don't get final cut and there, you know, it is, you don't see everything. I'm just going to put it like that. It's entertainment. It's entertainment. entertainment. So just putting that out there. (laughs) (laughs) So do you, do you have any future plans for other reality TV shows? Oh my goodness. Do you want to continue on with the housewives? What what do you want to do? I, I will do it. One objective is always to have fun. I want to have fun, right? So So I will do it as long as it it stays fun. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of things that I want to do with, um, with the platform. So I will do it for as long as I think it's fun and necessary. Um, I, I have a lot. I have a lot of things that I want to do with it. And, you know, we have to remember I did half a season this year. I came in mid season. That's when they asked me to do it. So, you know, I really didn't, I didn't have a, I didn't have a personal storyline and that, you know, so people didn't get to actually meet me or see who I am as a person or see, you know, the life that I live. I mean, People just, you know, people don't even know how to pronounce my name, right? Yeah, so that kind of, Anna Marie. That kind of t- <laughs> Anna Marie, not Anna Marie. That, you know, so that kind of tells you something. And I'm yeah. like, again, like I'm, you know, I'm a CRNA. I've been doing this for many years. I have four children. I'm married to a public figure. Um, I have a foundation that my husband and I started together to um, help and work with um, underserved youth in oh, communities. Awesome. Um, yeah, like, you know, I have a very busy and very full life and I, this is something that I want to be able to share people because if there's one thing that I could do that's going to inspire someone or motivate someone, I, I want to share that with them, you know? And like, again, I was a college basketball player, so I'm still huge into fitness and I love the way that I can blend um, health and fitness together because I'm a huge advocate for that. And that's something that I want to share with people because I'm really big on, um, prevention. You mentioned, you mentioned your foundation. Uh, why, why don't you mention the name of that so that the listeners can, can look into it if they're interested. So our foundation is called project transition. Um, and like I said, we partner with, um, individuals, um, institutions, community leaders, to provide um, time, talent, treasure, community resources um, to underserved communities um, and the youth within those communities. And so that's something that we are very passionate about, um, very focused on. We do a lot of community service and a lot of community work um, and mentorship programs and um, community outreach and things of that sort of nature. So Yes, please go um, to our website. We have a brand new website. We just launched um, projecttransition.org. Look around, um, read our bios, check out all the initiatives that we are working on and are 
um, have ongoing and um, send us a little donation. We would, we would love to have you partner with our team. We've got a lot of um, very exciting and very necessary um, programming um, initiatives that we, that we're doing with, with our communities. So that's exactly, that's right. Because like I said, you know, I grew up in a very, Small town, not a lot of resources. And Mm -hmm. my husband, you know, he's an L.A. native, same sort of situation, didn't grow up with silver spoons in our mouth. And so we want to be able, it all just goes back to, like you said, paying it forward and helping those people that need it to reach their potential and, you know, not have excuses to not be able to reach their dreams. Right. So I guess the last question I had is there's going to be thousands of CRNAs in San Diego. For the ANA yeah. Congress, August 2nd to 6th. You're going to come? Of course I am. Awesome. We're going to try and set something up for you. <laughs> I would absolutely love, love to be there. Oh, that would be great. What do you want to leave our listeners with? What's, what's your overarching message? You know what? I actually want to, I want to thank and all the nurses because I really know that we are the unsung heroes, right? Yeah. We are doing this this profession, and I feel like at times it is it is tireless, and sometimes it can be thankless. But it is it is so powerful, mm-hmm. and it is so important, and it is so necessary. It holds such high esteem, and I just I want to tell everybody how proud I am of us. You know, awesome. keep going out there, show people who we are, show people what we do. You should all be so proud of yourselves. Because we are doing the the most important work there is, and that is helping people through some of the most difficult situations in their life. And so, my message is just thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, when when they're at the most scary portions of their lives, you know, coming in for a surgery for something big to them, you know, it's scary. Uh, every breath, every second, every beat, we're the ones that are there. That's exactly right. And on my end, I will, you know, I'll keep using my platform um, as it's continuing to grow. And I will keep getting getting the message out about who we are and what we do and how absolutely incredible we are. Well, it has been so much fun talking to you. I know we've talked before, but this was a, this was great. And I think CRNAs from across the country are going to love hearing about this and hearing from you. And I think they get a little bit of background, too, into all the weird things that go on. On the house. <laughs> so thank That's you very right. much, oh Anna Marie. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Mike, for having me. This was so much fun. That's all for this episode of Anesthesia Deconstructed. For more information based on today's discussions, be sure to visit us at anesthesia-deconstructed.com. You'll also gain access to our blogs, editorials, and more resources to keep you updated on the science, politics, and realities of today's medical industry. That's anesthesia-deconstructed.com.